Welcome to B-Plot Podcast, a podcast where we take a look at some of the biggest movies from days gone by, eh, most new glory. Look at the ones that come out on the exact same day. My name is Lincoln. I'm out here with my man, Sam. We're both comics out here in London. Sam, how you doing? I'm good, Lincoln. How you doing? I'm feeling strong. I would like to. Yeah. Um, just kind of full disclosure, um, this is the first time we're recording in 2021. Mm. Uh, even though you might be hearing episodes that have been recorded a long time ago, it's magic, guys. It's show business. Peace. <laughs> um, but Sam, last uh, last we left you, you mm. were um, you were fighting off. A, um, <laughs> look, man, I'm going to be honest. You know, I speak the truth. You were fighting off a frankly uh, humiliating death. You were yeah, yeah. The, one of the worst deaths. Yeah, one of the worst deaths. Like, man, if someone asked what happened to Sam, how did he die? I would be like. No, someone stabbed him just to, uh, <laughs> yeah, just, to give you a bit, just to give you a bit of dignity in, mm. uh, in the afterlife. But how's your finger, my man? How are you doing? Finger's great. Finger's, uh, I'm going to show you. I'm sorry. I know you don't like it, but I'm going to show you. See that? Like my nail has almost half changed now. You see that line? Yeah. It's like, it's br- um, yeah, yeah, I can see the line. It's, it's a brand it's new like, nail. It's great. It's a, oh, it's like, uh, is it like the rings on a... On a tree. <laughs> yeah, it's how you can tell how old my hand is. How old your finger is. All the yeah. nails that have <laughs> that have disappeared. Um, but but I do I have to tell I do have to tell you because the uh, I threw my back out, right? Oh, which is yeah. is the thing is like last year I turned thirty. As it goes on, I'm starting to get old. I got a sciatica, which mm-hmm. I'd n- never heard of. That's a trapped nerve in your back. And then mm-hmm. that month of antibiotics caused a colic in my stomach. I, th- you know what is crazy is I thought yeah. colic was something that like babies died off in the twenties. Yeah, yeah. Is that is not- that is yeah yeah yeah. It's the same thing, but it's like a stomach thing. Uh, tune in next week uh, to B Plot <laughs> Podcast when Sam fights off a case of whooping cough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, um, yeah, and SARS. He brings back Seb. Shoutouts to uh, episode 50 of B-Plot when, uh, <laughs> when Sam brings back the Spanish flu. That's good. <laughs> Clearly, we haven't, um, we haven't done the podcast in a while because we haven't even told you guys what we, uh, what we watched this time around. And uh, what we actually did watch this time around was Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. Um, and on the exact same day, a film called Sleepover. A film called Sleepover. Now, Sam, I want you to kick it off for us. Um, relationship to Anchorman, go ahead. I w- saw it when it came out, loved it for years afterwards. Well, like maybe two, three years. I don't know. I think the last time I saw this movie, I was still a teenager. Big, huge Will Ferrell fan. Mm. Just all, like, all around nothing, nothing, nothing but love until this viewing. See, you know what's crazy is I I have the exact opposite feeling. Really? Because mm. I'll tell you what, because I, I went through this, I went through the thing and it's, you know, we kind of want to put things in context, right? So Anchorman was the movie that I, I could hold a whole conversation with a friend just by quoting Anchorman mm. back. To, it's like, it was like a rite of passage. It's like a 13, 14 year old dude is the, Anchorman is to dudes what Mean Girls was to girls, I guess. Um, in the sense that as a 13-year-old, I was like, there's nothing will ever be funnier than this. Mm. And I quoted it back and forth to everyone. And it was like, if you could, you know, back and forth, right? Back to- and then I went through a phase somewhere around my early 20s when I thought I was slick. Where mm. I was like, this isn't funny. Well, feral, lame, over the top, obnoxious. And what's happened? I've pushed through that. I've pushed through mm. that membrane of civility and respectability yeah. politics. And now I'm all the way back in like that. Ah, this is hilarious. This is good stuff. So that that phase in your early 20s of like, uh, it's too loud, too obnoxious, too blah, I feel like that phase for you is the UK as a general population all the time. I feel like that's very much like the British, the overall British response to, to Will Ferrell comedy. Mm. But I still love the guy. I still think he's great. There was just something about watching it this time where I was like, you know what? I think I think I watched this probably once a week when I was 14, when this came mm. out. I watched this maybe once, like 
and yeah, same thing. Me and my mate used to quote it at each other all the time. But this time going back, I was like, this feels really gentle compared to like Will Ferrell is really the only guy who's consistent and everything around it. I was like, Rah, nothing is pushing me over into a laugh. Nothing is put like there are there are these there are these moments, but the the general all right, and without I don't want to shit on it, but is that thing of the the whole the whole bit is they're crazy outrageous characters and they do crazy outrageous thing and then they react to it like regular people, like they kind yeah. of downplay it. And and this paved the way for the Pineapple Express that this kind of comedy of like, oh hey, we're doing the Three Stooges or Charlie Chaplin, but we're acting like normal people and it's there's a realism to it. And I think it was just because Anchorman was the the tipping point of that in in mainstream culture that it kind of, I was like, I think I've seen too much harder stuff out of all of you people since this to be able to go back and re- like still appreciate it the same way. Uh, you know what I will say? I, th- I think there's two things at play here. The mm. first thing is, certainly I would have done this, is to, con- is to conflate uh, Will Ferrell's movies with the people that like Will Ferrell movies. Yeah. Is if, if you are overhearing that or you are just happen to be in the conversation and someone's just quoting a movie relentlessly, it's fucking mm. awful. It's really and like, it'll, it'll, you know what? And then maybe you grow up to be a critic for the New York Times or whatever. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you, yeah. and you feel some type of way. The second thing is, is we have this, I don't know what the word is, but we have this um, tendency, especially for like stuff that's marketed at like teenage girls, at like 14 year old girls, to be really dismissive of it, to be like, oh, that's mm. for little girls. And be like, this is dumb. This is of no value whatsoever. And we overhype things that are, uh, marketed towards 14-year-old boys because those 14-year-old boys mm. are also the ones who grow up to be critics and hold opinions and create art. Mm. I would say, in this instance, I think it still works. I think both... Of the, I think Anchorman still is the, the juvenileness of it holds up. In fact, it's actually accrued in my, in my mind because we watched this along with Sleepover. Fucking Anchorman is the more feminist text. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, way yeah, more yeah. feminist. It's about all these guys in the 70s who are complete assholes and they're all idiots and all mm. like all get their comeuppance and they all they pierce that veneer of how these guys are, you know, and all of it is so ridiculous and over top, and the joke is always on them. And yeah. they get punished for it at, at various points. And the only reason it, I think it really kind of works is because Will Ferrell is so talented that he can make this guy, you know, kind of likable. He can give yeah. this guy a, a veneer of pathos, and that's what makes it work. Yeah, because if they were just assholes, you're just like, oh, there's no point. Well, this was this is one of the first, uh, it's one of the first jokes in the plot of the movie, is when they're they're at the party where he first where Will Ferrell first uh, meets Christina Applegate, um, and it's him and Paul Rudd are having a laugh at all the t- other times, and and Will Ferrell says, "We've been coming to this party for twelve years now, and in, in, in no way is that depressing." And you <laughs> can see him break underneath it, and you're like, "That's the whole character, right?" There it's, it is. There it is. Yeah, I think it's uh, so funny. That really holds up, and I do think I, that's the thing. I think it's really well intentioned. Um, but okay, this is where, and this is something, and it. It's true of the sleepover as well, and it's true of so many movies of like two thousand and one to two thousand and eight, is where comedy is has, has is kind of broken into this like we can have these huge blockbuster comedies again, these like big studio productions, but instead of it being like Airplane, like very the the Zucker Brothers thing of like story doesn't matter, it's joke, 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 joke. They've gone, it's, and it's the Apatow thing, right? We're trying to tie the jokes into the plot, but they're only halfway there. So there's, the, oh, what was it? There was like, Will Ferrell approaches Christina Applegate at the party, uh, tells her she's a nice hiney, and then says, I want to be on you. And she's like, okay, no. Uh, and then immediately in the next scene, suddenly he's really respectful. And it's like this kind of, the, the character development change. You have to take each scene as like this is a five minute forget what yeah. they were five minutes yeah. ago. I agree. There's like, and you know, if you read all the reviews of it, a lot of it fucking trash, basura. Um, a lot of the reviews do be like, oh, this is just like a bunch of sketches tied together. 
and the story is not really well. But my point is, these are some of the funniest sketches tied together. Taken in individual, like, single segments. Some of these mm. are fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. A couple of highlights for me is um, the scene where, the, where Vince Vaughn is the opposition. Mantooth is the opposition. West Mantooth. West yeah. Mantooth. And just Vince Vaughn playing it straight to Will Ferrell. <laughs> um, that whole scene was hilarious. That whole yeah, scene yeah, was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then after Will Ferrell walks away, he looks at his cronies. He's like, "Really? You guys couldn't say anything, huh?" Yeah, Steve, yeah. Even Steve Carell could say something. Steve Carell <laughs> was like, "Man, drawn down to a human being to just like not even an actual person, just like a puddle <laughs> of um, of human colored flesh melted down." Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, the uh, I also man the, the the two that still really stick out for me are Afternoon Delight. That's, mm, I, 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 I love I that. Sang, I sang that whole thing. Sang mm. that whole thing to the screen. And um, the jazz flute, man. The 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 whole club scene with Fred Armisen. I'm like, yeah, this is still gold. This is still hilarious. Still gold. Oh man, do you know? Often I've said to um, I know some movies like get into your brain and like into mm. the DNA, into like the grooves of your brain. And um, Anchorman is one of those things because I say the I say man I'm not even mad I say that all the time, mm. and it was when I was watching Anchorman back is the real the reason I say that is because that's what he said to the dog. Yeah, the dog, yeah, like, yeah. The dog took a shit. I was like, man, I'm not even mad. That's just impressive. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's literally like in the core. Fi- Certain movies have that where like they get cut through to the quick yeah. of your brain. I realize that a lot as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you ever watch East Down and Down by any time? Kenny Powers. Loved it. Loved yeah. it. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking that East but Kenny Powers um has that for me as well, where it's like it's into the quick of my brain. It's like yeah. I'm I'm this far away from from saying um you're fucking out. Or saying, mm. you know. Or doing the well, or in doing the Will Ferrell from that. Uh, I feel it down in my plums. In my plums, yeah. yeah. No, let the boy watch. Yeah, let yeah, the boy yeah, watch. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, this stuff is in my, and it's interesting that you bring that up because yeah, Eastbound and Down, I think is really interesting because that's another product of Will Ferrell, right? It's another. Yeah. Th- this is the guy who paved the way for this, but the difference is Eastbound and Down is on HBO and doesn't have the same money-making pressure that, hey, these SNL guys are doing another big studio comedy. So because it's HBO, it's like they have the freedom to make Kenny Powers really unlikable for the whole thing. And it's because they go, hey, we know you don't give a shit. Just watch this guy be a douchebag for half an hour at a time. Yeah. Whereas I think Anchorman is actually pulled down by the likability of the four guys in the news team. I think that's actually the thing that holds it back yeah man fair enough and to me i think eastbound and down is like the crowning achievement of what adam mckay of this vision yeah is like imagine anchorman make it r-rated mm. uh, having let's explore this character for six um yeah for six episodes and like yeah let's revel in the badness of it let's yeah let's, I w- dude, I randomly watched an episode of Eastbound and Down over the over the holidays. I think it's like season two when he's mm. in uh, when he's in Mexico. Yeah, and um, I don't know if any of this will make it in. We're just chatting now. But there's a scene <laughs> where um, where Stevie comes to visit him, and Stevie said that like, yeah, you were making purchases on my credit card. You were re- you were leaving me a trail of crumbs, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> and Kenny goes, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> and, then he, yeah. and then he shoots him in the leg because he got scared. <laughs> it's like this is this is hilarious. Yeah, this man. is some of the best some of the best shit I've ever seen. Um, there was there was I uh, sorry I have to. There was that scene in the first season when he's chaperoning the school dance, and he takes a bunch of ecstasy, and he's trying to impress April and forces his way onto the dance floor with all these like junior school kids. <laughs> And right before the music kicks in, it just is a close up of his mouth, and he just goes work drugs, and then just does <laughs> that. <laughs> like, this, guy, yeah, Danny McBride though. Sorry, this is yeah, this has been derailed by how great Danny McBride is. We Anchorman is really like very oddly, and so is um, Sleepover. 
very of its time in the sense that you we do not see big budget comedies anymore we don't see big comedies with big stars that we recognize that make people a lot of money don't see that anymore that's done and mm. i kind of wonder why i wonder if it's like a a, a case of like because i can't even often when these things happen you know you suspect that um someone's lost a lot of money or mm. um within case of like romantic comedies recently like that audience has moved on to uh streaming services um but it isn't the case for can you remember the last comedy that came out that was like a banger like you'd have to go back to like the hangover the first hangover when, and only really when it first came out it was mm. like a comedy that like just blew the you know people were quoting for for months and months on end as is in your brain the way mm. that anchorman and maybe ricky bobby or old school or wedding crashes or those kind of comedies are I, th- I mean i think i think it's i think it's apatow fatigue right is you look at after because after anchorman a couple years later we get knocked up which is the that sort of two-sided reinvention of the rom-com right where it's like we're going to try and hit every demographic with this movie and then you know the whole rogan crew comes in and does kind of the same bit for 10 years uh of chasing that high do you know what i mean so it is and really when was pineapple express what 2008 9 uh no yeah it'll be around that time which is the same, you know, same time as The Hangover, and that I think that's the thing. It's hard. The more money behind it, Stone. These are all. They're all stoner movies, really. That's what they all are. A film ticket in two thousand and eight cost what seven or eight pounds tops, absolute like max. Now you go to like a, a a main cinema, you know, like a central London cinema. You could have been paying sixteen, seventeen quid, and it's like, bro, you're not gonna get. You're just cutting out so much of the audience by having like a, a big yeah. budget stoner comedy aimed at teens and frats. And if you're going to go watch a comedy um, or if you're going to go watch something in the movies, I'm probably going to go watch like a, a Christopher Nolan style Tenet thing that like blow my fucking face off with effects and logic and stuff like that. But like in the in the theater, I'm not trying to like go watch an indie drama or go, go even go watch a comedy. I can't remember the last time I saw a comedy in the See, in I'm, cinema. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the exact opposite in that case. I was like, that's why I, that's what I do want to go to the cinema for is like a comedy an indie movie, like a, a, a low budget horror film. But every time I've been to the cinema to see a film I actually want to see in the last five to 10 years, I've been like, Oh, it's just me and four other dudes who are balding. You know, see, I don't need to see that. That's depressing. You don't want to go. It you is. don't want to. You don't want to meet the. Co- you don't want to meet your exact target demographic when you go yeah. out. Like if I'm, if I'm in a place and everyone looks like me, I'm like, oh, I need to get out of here. This place is. <laughs> this place is not what we want to see. But anyway, we should move on, um, because we are not actually here to talk about um, Anchorman. Although we, I feel like we've barely spoken about Anchorman. That's but true. Yeah. So tell me, what is your um, um, highlight? Highlight from uh, Anchorman, maybe your favorite line or the thing that surprised you when you rewatched it again. Right, I've, I've said milk was a bad choice too many times in my life to not <laughs> give that a shout out. I think, and I, you know what? I, I do think outside of the ones already mentioned, I do think my highlight is Will Ferrell crying in the glass cage of emotion is just, he is so <laughs> funny at crying. It's so good. Dude, what like, about, oh, or side note, Danny Trejo. Um, I don't know the name of the actor, but he plays he plays Todd Packer in the U.S. Office. Um, he's the sports oh, champ, guy. yeah. Champ, and um, there's one where he open where he opens up to um, to Ron Burgundy <laughs> when they're eating lunch. And, yeah, and like as you say, it's like you gotta get in there, you gotta get in there. And at one point in time, he just goes like, "I just I, I just really miss you, and uh, I'm lost without you. I'm lost without you." <laughs> But it just keeps the same energy of a guy who's still super macho. I was like, that's really good. That's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, man, shout us to in both of these movies. Shout us to a nice, tight 90 minutes. Let's get in, let's get mm. out. Let's get in, let's get out. All right, let's not overstay our welcome here. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, also a fan because also the sleepover, including credits, 85. I'm like, you shaved five minutes off the credits. 
Fucking, let's talk about this fucking piece of shit. Dog shit movie. All right. So, same day. Uh, Anchorman mm. has come out. This seminal comedy that changed all of our lives forever. On the exact same day, um, this piece of shit, Basur, trash, Sleepover comes out. Now, Sleepover, it's important to say, Sam and I were and will never be the core demographic for this movie. Um, in fact, I was watching it this morning. Full disclosure, I got about 20 minutes in. I paused. I went to, m- to my partner, to my wife. I was like, you, you're going to have to come in here because <laughs> none of this relates to me. I had to ask her, what, what, did you guys have sleepovers? What did you do? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> Never had a sleepover. Don't understand the culture behind it. Um, but Sam, maybe you want to walk us through exactly the premise of this joint sleepover. Uh, okay, sleepover is is basically uh, every eighties teen movie um, tied together in the it's the supposed like I guess they're nerdy girls. The nerdy yeah. girls want to sit at the good table next year in high school. They're all in middle school. They're all in middle school. They want to sit by the fountain and not by the bins. And then the popular girls uh, throw down the challenge of a scavenger hunt on the night of the dance, right? They have to fulfill a bunch of tasks, but our heroes aren't allowed out of the house during the sleepover, so they sneak out and uh, fucking shenanigans ensue. Mm, mm, I'd say that mm. it's, I'd say it's, I'd say it's, it's, it's it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off meets Mean Girls, but obviously without the quality of Mean Girls. Let's say there's a lot of shenanigans, um, chicanery, mm. shenanigans, mm. Whatever, whatever you will. Um, so we have these uh, four girls. It's also interesting because there's these two camps, right? There's the hot popular girls and they are the, um, <laughs> the nerdy losers, piece of shit. No one likes them. Um, mm. They still have a good time, which I enjoy. Um, yeah, and so the um, uh, the younger uh, one, of the leader of the hot girl, she gets out of a, a, a potential Me Too case. She gets out of a very awkward situation, and so she decides to terrorize the um, unpopular ones. Um, they have a little scavenger hunt. Is that what you call that? Mm. Scavenger hunt. So there's these three tasks: they have to dress a mannequin, they have to uh, steal the tag from uh, a uh, rent-a-cop's car played by the great Steve Carroll. And mm. on the third one is they have to steal um, the town hottie's uh, boxer shorts. They have to steal his boxer shorts. So obviously it's now set up as a competing narrative. Also, there's a lovely like zany subplot where their mum doesn't know that the bunch of losers um, are not allowed to leave the house. And so there's also this kind of um, weird subplot in the back a b plot where they have to Mm. um appear as if they are there so her brother gets involved jeff garland doesn't do much um but he's a dad Mm. and so there we are there's these two camps the interesting thing about this movie is it made me think about adolescent films a lot yeah um and it made me think about why (laughs) it made me think about the in-betweeners you know kind of like this you know this awkward stage of um Coming of age. Uh, at a adolescent. Yeah, sorry. I don't know why I forgot to speak. But I was thinking, it's like, this is why there can never be a female in-betweeners. Right. Because the female in-betweeners is fucking dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, fe- the female in-betweeners is the movie 13. Is a horror show. It's these young women in positions... With people way too old for, because by the way, this is this incredible fantasy mm. land, right? For fourteen-year-old girls, and um, I'd imagine it is for maybe twelve-year-old girls, because you always want to make these movies a little bit older than for the people it reads. Yes, these are these movies for twelve-year-old girls. In this movie, there are scenes where they are in a club with their English teacher. Okay, th- right, yeah, this is what I want to talk he about. He buys them a. I'm like, guys, we're supposed to create this amazing fantasy. Why in the creation of this fantasy have we included a potential uh, sexual statutory rape case? Mm. Why have we done this? Yeah. This is so unnecessary. Right. Okay, this is what's fucked up, right? Is I feel like those girls are actually the age they are playing. I know they might be a, a year or two older, 
but this film it feels like half of it is like a Nickelodeon film you know like a hey it's super lighthearted nothing's gonna happen like don't worry about it and then the other half of it is spotlight meets happiness and I'm like right I can't you just had like a full-on noncery scene right in the middle of act two and what fucks me up is the teacher is too cool with it still it's too cool sorry can you explain exactly what happened before we get too far down the road explain exactly what the can you set up that scene and why it was so weird right so they the what yeah one of the challenges is they have to get a photo of themselves in the club right first issue this club is mixed ages so they allow minors and adults right because no one gets id'd going in right these girls are all 14 uh the the premise of getting there was they had to get an online date they had to get a, a an internet dating date and yeah the protagonist it ends up it turns out that it's her teacher so they're trying to hide it mm. in the club but he figures it out she puts on a pair of sunglasses just straight up clock kents it through the teacher meanwhile not noticing that he is talking to a child's body like it's fucking grim <laughs> This, okay, this was my biggest beef, right? Is but <laughs> with this whole scene was then she has to get a drink and have a photo of herself having a drink at the club with the date for the the scavenger hunter to go. So she orders a sex on the beach, right? The bartender goes, "Can I see some ID?" And she says, "No, uh, I le- I left it in the limo." And then he goes, "Okay, well then no drink." And I'm like, "No, that no club, no no, you don't yeah. get to be in the club get now." <laughs> Get her out of That's here. So, it's the same licensing law, uh, and then and then they they give the teacher a quick makeover to be more attractive to women, and it, there's a there's an energy there's an energy between them. There's an energy. This is why I do not understand. I do not understand why this movie is so dark. Yeah. <laughs> why does movie when it's a fantasy? Why it even plays with that? Why that even comes up? Mm. Well, because I get, I mean, this is the thing, right? Is like 2004 mainstream pop culture. It, I think the the two key scenes, because it's this scene with the teacher and the scene where the boyfriend tries to essentially molest the, uh, the popular girl in the car at the beginning, which is what happens, right? He tries to go for it. She says no, and he doesn't stop. Uh, as she like... The... It's the phrasing of the scene, right? Is really what happens is he tries to force himself on her and she pushes him off repeatedly, fights her way out, and then he yells at her and kicks her out of the car, which is a entirely bizarre dynamic. But these two scenes feel like in 2004, people were just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Let's, let's park that on one side because it's not the whole movie. Mm. There are some other things that I also didn't like. <laughs> um, it's not the whole movie. So... Yeah, so you have this the setup for um, you have the setup for a uh, scavenger hunt. You have these two groups, the hot groups, and the the bunch of disgusting losers. And in the hot group, we even have a very young Brie Larson, yeah, who looks like a grown woman. I thought she looked like twenty nine. <laughs> um, she looks like a grown woman. It's mad. And then you have um, the group of losers. Um, but an interesting thing has happened there is because this sleepover is four fours, four people at each sleepover. But wait, how many are the losers? It's the fat girl, the main girl, the um, excuse me, as Sam would say, the husky, the husky, <laughs> and the husky, <laughs> the husky girl. Um, there is, um, and I, I'm, you know what, I feel comfortable saying that because that is her literal only. Um, character trait, character def- defining character trait is they made her overweight, yes. and therefore she that's who she is as a person. Mm. There is um, the late the main person from Spy Kids, um, another uh, generic blonde lady, and then a fourth member of, and then a fourth member of the sleepover who has no lines. Mm. But the thing is, and I, I really I thought about this a lot, is because like. There's no reason for that person to be there other than you can't have a sleepover with three people. You need at least four. Yeah? So that people... I think so. I don't know. Otherwise, why is she, otherwise, why is she there? <laughs> I mean, I she don't know what... She didn't the, do anything. 
I don't know what I don't know what the sleepover rules are. I don't know what the logic is behind the double. I feel like a sleepover with three would have been better because her only function is to tell that husky girl that she was a backup choice. That's her only yes. role in the film. So mean and so 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 mean. And just another thing on the husky girl um, in the film, she is um, she's a little bit overweight. Not it's not like it's hardly like fucking super size versus super skinny or anything it's fine she's, she's a kid yeah <laughs> it's fine it's fine it's really average for a 14 year old it's, it's really, really normal really average more it's really not at all weird whatsoever but okay this is the thing and you know i and i guess uh, when you're that age as a former husky kid myself you know these things have an outsized um impression in your mind but um it's really funny to me when they ask her, so like, well, you know, what's up with you? And she's like, oh man, I just really like, uh, I just really like eating, what's it, biscuits? Bra- or- no, the, the girl the girl says, uh, what would you rather eat, brownies or celery? Yes, there we go. By the way, terrible binary choice. Yeah. It's not at all how it works. Yeah. There's so many other things you can have. So, so what time of day is it? Yeah, it's weird. If it's like three in the afternoon and I was like, yeah, maybe a whole brownie would be too much. I'll be asleep. By five. Um, but anyway. <laughs> okay. Those blood sugar, and, and those I, blood sugar the, crashes are real. I'm the one getting archaic diseases. And you're the one talking about yeah. 3 p.m. brownies too much. Yeah, I'm going to fall asleep at five. <laughs> I have that much sugar. <laughs> Can't believe this guy. Um, no, but she was saying, yeah. So then just go for a guy who likes brownies. And I was like, all right, I'm going to stop you right mm. there. <laughs> Just because she is fat doesn't mean she can only date fat people. That's not, uh, that's not how this works. Mm. Uh, unf- and unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the guy that she hooked up with was, um, was fat. Uh, the guy who is her romantic interest in her, in her arc. And I was like, oh man, I, I know this is wrong. But I can't wait to be there for the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, for those two, it's, it's going to be brutal, man. The high school is tough. Yeah. The roasting sessions on these two is going to be... I don't want to do it myself. But I'm just like, every time you eat anything, just be sure it's going to turn into death jab. Right. Like, people are going to come for you. It's also, that's that's all your friends... This, th- this is the other thing that fucked me up with the film. The lead, the Spy Kids girl, is horrendous self-image oh right throughout the whole thing and i'm like this is this is what's weird about the well, not weird it's just what the hell is the moral of this thing where it's like uh hey creepy teacher's fine also like your protagonist is like hey you you like food date somebody else who likes food and then also like oh no i'm the hideous stepsister at the ball nobody loves me and it's like bro you don't you don't deserve any attention right now. You're like mad acrobatic. You skateboarded in a dress through the whole thing. You got a fucking treehouse, and I know my thing with cars, but no, that treehouse is very I agree, I agree. expensive. That feels like an expect. That feels like a gym membership to me. That feels like that kind of cost bracket. No, no, but I agree. I agree. She is. It's weird, man, because her friend is bigging her up all the time, as friends are wont to do. And she just fucking is so self-absorbed about getting with, again, another brilliant stereotype of the time, vapid, uh, vapid hot, mm. um, who is um, just a cool dude. <laughs> yeah. I guess this is all we, I guess this is all like girls really was like a, a dude is like kind of hot, but it's like also just nice. <laughs> um, also, shout out to Steve Carell. Yeah. Steve Carell doing double duty and this thing. But man, I don't know what's happened, man. I've crossed over to the other side. Um, I can't watch a group of teenagers terrorize a um, a, a working person mm. and and think it's hilarious. Yeah, I can't think of a group of teenagers bullying this poor, sad Steve Carell who made some choices. He made wrong decisions along the way. He still lives with his mum. It sounds like. Uh, he took this two-week course and you're like, you know what? He's like, I'm going to get my life back together. Yeah. And it gets ruined by um, a group of teenage girls who come in and, and just fuck up his night. And he, he probably lost his job. Yeah. Because, he, you know, he had, a, he had a car. He probably lost his job. Well done. That guy is now radicalized. 
He's uh, storming the steps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's storming that- the steps of the Capitol building. All because these teenagers drove him to the edge. Because you know what? That guy's going to think, you know what? Actually, you know what? Maybe my life would be better if there were fewer foreigners in here. <laughs> and he's driven to the edge. Because at every point in his life, he's being marginalized, bullied, and degraded. Mm. And it's also, this is indicative of these girls' behavior, right? This is, this is one thing that also messed me up, was when they're trying to get into the dance, but they don't have... I, they don't have their IDs or something, and I was like, again, this is they don't have t- they don't have tickets. They don't have don't tickets. have tickets, right? And the girl who's working the ticket desk, I don't know. Did you ever watch Firefly? I did. It was, I did watch. It's the, I watched like th- three episodes. Yeah, it's that yeah. girl who's the uh, took me a minute to spot, but she's working the Summer Glow was her name. Thank Summer you, Glow Glow. Um, she's yeah, she's a, she's working the desk for the dance, and they don't have tickets. They can't get in. So in a last ditch attempt. To be able to get into the dance, the, the lead goes, I know you, you know, you never invite to parties, you got no friends, you do way too much algebra, you're basically a fucking loser. And if you don't let me into that dance in two years, I will be you. And that somehow inspires this trodden on person to be like, yeah, you go free, live. And I'm like, that's, that's not right, man. This, you can't treat staff this way. You can't do that. Also, yeah, that's the worst thing that you can say to someone. Is if you don't let me do this, then I will be like you, my worst nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like this is a mad thing to say to someone. Jeff Garland is a dad. He plays a dad, and like while he he's supposed to be watching the kids, and they get up to their scavenger hunt, all sorts of shenanigans, while um while he is trying to figure out the pH quality of the water. Yeah. And I was like, my if this is not the most dad shit <laughs> I have seen in my life. My dad has like um Sam, this is gonna shock you, but we have a pool. Mm-hmm. And um my dad um is obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't swim, but he holds up that little thing, he's like, Look, come, look, feel, look, feel here. <laughs> you see that? Purple. You see that? You know what that means? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Six hours this man spends on the Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> this is the difference between our enjoy, uh, like our upbringings and enjoyment of dads in films is that you, you know, you're way more of a, a Jeff Garland in this movie. I'm way more of a Peter Weller in the firstborn movie kind of guy. <laughs> those those really are the father sad. figures I like <laughs> and relate to. <laughs> <laughs> Again, as I always say, we did have a pool, but. We did live behind a church where they sold crystal meth. So mm, mm. It's, it's all kind of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like the, the best house in a bad neighborhood. <laughs> Let me say that. Let me say that. Um, dude, should we move on to the categories? Let's... You frozen on the screen as well, so I was like, have I just lost you? <laughs> Alright, there we go. Um guys, we have categories how we compare these two movies. The first one usually the weirdly woke moment. Now, Sam, what is your weirdly woke moment between Sleepover and Anchorman? I okay, I have I have quite a few for the sleepover because Interesting. Right. The the, and I'll say why Anchorman lose. I couldn't find a weirdly woke moment because it's trying to be woke in the story in the core thread, and I was like, I can't find the moment to pick out. Mm, that that's weird. But I think actually the whole of Anchorman in my mind watching it was like, this is actually weirdly woke. This is exactly what we mean. It's like this has the veneer of nonsense, but it actually has a a project that is trying to be progressive yeah somewhere in somewhere in those layers right i think okay one was uh when the lead has to go and break into hot steve's house to try and steal the boxes was her friend is trying to gas her up to get a pump to go in she's like losing her shit and she goes what does she say to her she says great knees powerful brain and i was like yeah that's weirdly what complimenting your friend's knees that's a thing. Strong. Shout out to, shout out to all my knees out here, all you creeps. I'm sure there's some. And then, 
<laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm like, oh, you know, these guys are really into feet. Do you, you think those guys are just like really into like knees? Like into. There has to be. Into like. Right. <laughs> Like if it exists, bro. Just like, just like imagine like some lady is there, like maybe a, a huskier lady, and um, she just like straightens her leg and it's all like the folds on top. And my dude's like, oh, my God, look at those knees. I mean, <laughs> let me jerk off into those knees. Let me do it. <laughs> you, you're talking me into it, man. I, even the way a knee bends, there's something in the there's something in the bend that you know what? Dude. Fuck it. I'm advocating for it now. These look, guys. We aren't saying we aren't saying that we should do this, but we are saying there's 100% dudes, or maybe not dudes, but one dude who's willing to pay a lot um, to see to see your knees. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the world's tough. Get on OnlyFans. Do whatever you have to do. We respect you. Knees, we respect you. knees only. OnlyFans. That's the one I want to see. Oh, stop it! Stop. The other, the other weirdly woke moment was. Uh, my mom is so blindfolded, right? There's a little history behind this, right? There's a little history behind this because I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this. I'm sure I am though, fuck it. I, I, you know, I used to work for Guinness World Records, the, the, the book, and things had to be categorized very carefully to make them even and sort of a- applicable to all. And there was a lot of records for being blind and doing something right but obviously everybody has to be able to have a go so even blind people had to be blindfolded for record attempts so it was like the blindfold was the thing and i was like normally you could just say blind but you went the extra mile to make it guinness world records ready yeah i respect that i respect that pretty work what about you pretty work um i was gonna say yeah like the whole of um anchorman I was surprised uh, by, but my real actual um, really work moment is the scene where um, Will Ferrell and Christina Applegate fight in the um, mm. where they fight in the newsroom because I was like, that's what I want to see. Yeah, two grown people throwing hands. Mm. All right, you piss me off. All right, that's okay. I'll throw you. Yeah, I'll fuck you up too. Yeah, I was like, this is actually quite. And everyone else was like, no, 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 no. This is on them. <laughs> They're just talking. <laughs> They're just talking. <laughs> let them sort it out people are holding each other back well christina applegate fucks him up that was pretty good um that was a really work instant cancellation for me i will also say also from anchorman is um it's a really small thing which i don't think would fly now and it's when they're having the anchorman fight yeah okay and, um and ben stiller shows up um in spanish face mm. i don't know what the actual phrase is but he shows up as like a spanish news anchor and i was like nah dude i don't think i would i think i would be like mm, we're not having that not now yeah 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 that was i had i had exactly the same one uh but i'm gonna i'm gonna go i, I got i got two i had two backups right steve carell as a whole character and here's the thing don't get me wrong past the issue i still find it funny but the the premise that that would not fly that would not fly what can you make it explicit what do you mean you know what i mean the guy's got an That's iq like- of 48 <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and the other backup one i had was that in the 70s by 2004 standards the word diversity just meant the most attractive white lady you could find at the time. Isn't this an interesting thing? Am I reading, am I giving the movie too much credit? I don't think I am. For, for what, Anchorman? Um, no, I was going to explain because um, one of the first things that they say is that like, you know, if women have periods, it can attract bears. And then the movie ends with her in a- A bear pit. In a, in a bear pit. And I was like, this is a great example of someone making- Things happening twice being the same as the assemblance of structure. Mm, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think it means anything. It's got nothing. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it's pointless. Well, this is the thing is normally, obviously, the we've talked about this a lot, but it's like you seed the thing in act one so that it pays off in act three, right? And yeah, it's the, there's no thematic connection. There's no sense to it. But what I do think happened, 
uh, I'm I'm almost confident in this belief is that they know they have the script for the movie, but half of the dialogue is improvised, right? Half of the lines are just these guys playing around. Yeah. So I think somewhere in the back of like human Steve Carell's brain, he was thinking about bears and that line just came out and they were like, yeah, use it, it's bears. I reckon there's like 50 alternate takes of why he says a woman can't be a newsreader. And they were like, nah, but that's the, that's the one. Um, genre blend, if you had to top this a couple of degrees to the left, um, what would you do if you could act and make it a different genre? I think Anchorman, the easy answer is to make it like uh, working goal. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that interested in, I would focus in on the gang part. Right. And see if you can't make it a gangs of New York style. There's the Anchorman gangs, the warriors, as it were, like, you know, or you meet all of the different news teams, each news team has a different gangs yeah 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 you know you can do something you can do something yeah for a sleepover i think the obvious one is to make it like little children style hectic drama about pedophilia mm-hmm. um but i think i think that uh sleepover would be fantastic as a horror movie oh yeah i think it plays really well as a horror movie um what's the name shows up the leader of the popular group shows up. She sets these three talks. Just do it. If you don't do it, you know, you know it'll happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, she starts murdering people, and there's like a the whole thing. Mm. Well, yeah, you've 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 already shouted out the obvious one. You can tilt both of these movies ten degrees to the left, and if you tell the story after both movies, it just becomes spotlight. Like they're both spotlight in their own way you know i mean they're both in their own way they're both really about sexual harassment (laughs) at the at the theme and if you just push that into a courtroom uh like you push that into the courtroom after the fact and you got something great i mean in fact anchorman you did you see um what was the tennis film with emma stone and steve carell uh battle of the sexes i didn't i didn't see it but i i saw the the title i saw it that's uh, that's serious anchorman with comedy in it it's the same this is the same arcs so battle of the sexes and uh for the sleepover i would turn it into uh (laughs) i would uh do you ever see the film shrooms it's a horror film the the one where they go into the woods and they take mushrooms and they trip out i'd have a sleepover but they leave to trip out and then spooky shit starts happening. You know what would also be cool is if you if you revisit this it style. Mm. Um, if you revisit it like 30 years later mm. and these women have gone their separate ways and blah, 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 blah. And then they come back and then they murder whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> who did it? Um, yeah, I think that's actually all we have for, for both of these ones. Nice short episode. Uh, this time around um just to give you a bit of a, a heads up uh, we always like to share good things today we are number i think 39 on the british charts for um for film history mm-hmm. so like i just wanted to i don't know if this is if this is professional or unprofessional or not but i wanted to like um read out the names of some of the some of the some of the podcasts who were ahead of us because I think there's some uh, there's some big stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, depending on, on how we feel tomorrow, this might not make it in. We, I, I think you mean how you feel. This is your control verse. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to do this a lot. Let me see. Uh, chartable. Oh, it says I'm not authorized to access my own fucking... <laughs> Show. That's the level of showbiz we're at, man. Yeah. This reminds me of um you know uh Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. They um they split again for like the seventh time recently. But they are in um there's a big problem because um Lindsay Buckingham um he took the uh login for the Getty images account. <laughs> so they got I was like it's like a multi-platinum selling band. The biggest, one of the biggest of all time. And they're all, they're all just trying to remember password for the, <laughs> for the get in. <laughs> it's the dumbest shit ever. 
Oh, okay. So number thirty-nine, um, in the in the charts. Um, let's look at all the the rank history. Um, and how many film history podcasts are there available in the UK? Oh, dude, thousands, I imagine. All right, or hundreds, 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 hundreds. As long as it's not forty. No. So let me look at the actual chart ahead of us. Ooh, Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. A podcast from Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah, fucking that. Behind the Irishman. Um, I'm like, guys, don't listen to that. That's that came out like two years ago. <laughs> um, if you want a <laughs> podcast, just watch the the Irishman. It's really long. <laughs> uh, what else is here? Do do do. It seems like there's a couple of real professional ones in here too. Inside the Exorcist. Guys, stop. It's okay. Just, we'll do, you know what? We'll do one on the Exorcist. <laughs> the <laughs> official James Bond podcast. We're ahead of that one. That's good. I don't know. They're ahead of us. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are ahead of, ooh, dude, very close to the Criterion um, podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we're very close. To, we're ahead of them, actually, so they can suck our dicks from the back. <laughs> um, inside Jaws, inside Star Wars, we're crushing it. Um, what else do we have? I mean, it feels like a lot of these are like a one-and-done type deal. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, really, like, come on, man. How many of you guys have to know more about um, <laughs> Jaws? There's yeah. a whole episode in the, in the catalog. Just <laughs> listen to that. <laughs> we covered the whole thing. We covered the whole thing. We proved that it was about racism in America. <laughs> My whole DMs blew up. It was brilliant. <laughs> Remember, guys, if you like it and if you fuck with it, and only if you fuck with it, you know, oppression, whatever. Um, tell someone. It helps us. You know, tell someone. Be like, send them a link to be like, yeah, it's better than you think. And, you know, we get to keep doing it. Mm. Um, we get to keep climbing up the charts the way we are. <laughs> but, um, yeah. That's all for me. See you guys next time. Peace.